What is up, you guys? You are tuning in to the Health Without Limits podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Prestano, a personal trainer, nutrition coach, teacher, wife, dog mom to two, and mommy to be. Wow, that's weird to say. After too many years of playing it cool and trying to live up to society's standards, I decided it was time to share my voice. I hope that this is a place you will come to share your journey and to feel supported on your way. We'll talk all things health, fitness, nutrition, motherhood, and just some good old girl chat. Thanks for coming along. Let's get going. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to the Health Without Limits podcast. Today we have Kristen Ryan on the podcast as a guest. Kristen is a holistic health coach, and you can find her on social media at Thrive With 10. She also has her own podcast called The Holistic Happy Hour, which I highly recommend that you guys listen to. I'll put all of this in the show notes for you. But today we dive into, we're really kind of across the board, but a lot of those common health topics that I think many of us struggle with. So we talk about things like self-care, taking time for ourselves, but that doesn't necessarily mean bubble baths and champagne or just vegging on the couch for hours. But then we also dive into the dieting noise, as Kristen calls it, and the things that maybe diet culture has ingrained in us that have really screwed with our mentality when it comes to eating and sustainable living. So before I give it all away, I'm going to hand it over to the podcast. I hope that you guys enjoy it. Be sure to check Kristen out on social media and tag us while you're listening, and I'll catch you guys in the next one. All right, so hey, Kristen, thanks for coming on the podcast today. I'm glad we were able to connect and do this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So why don't you, I'll have told a little bit about you just in the intro, but why don't you tell us more about yourself and how you got into the health field and holistic health? Um, Yeah, so I am Kristen. I am a certified health coach and personal trainer. I went through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to become a health coach and just two weeks ago passed my um, personal training exam. So excited to see where that takes me. Um, in terms of how I got started in the health and wellness field, um, we could record multiple podcasts on that, <laughs> so I'll try to give you uh, the cliff note version. But I, for most of my life, struggled with eating disorder, body image, um, kind of a whole plethora that burned down to just me not being able to fully love and accept myself. And um, really, I think I had to post-grad, just a few years post-grad, my anxiety just got out of hand, and I just was really not happy with where I was in my life and and where I was going, and had to take a really hard look at that. I also had, you know, some, not major health issues, but kind of some health things that I was navigating towards the end of college. And it just all kind of culminated in me realizing that I had to pivot and change directions. Um, and that was kind of what me brought back, brought me to IAN. And it's really interesting because going through, I know you're a health coach too, and I'm sure you've had a similar experience, but you know, you go to school to help other people, but it also, it's crazy how much it helped me and how much I have changed and learned and grown through all that. And even just in helping my clients, it's, it's humbling because it's sort of like a mirror 
um, when you're working with clients. Like sometimes I'll be advising them on something or they're asking me on something and it's like, whoa, Kristen, hold on. This is something that you need to deal with too. Um, and it's cool that that things come up in that way. Um, that said, I'm still, every day I'm working on myself and I am by no means perfect and it's a continuous journey. Um, but one that I'm really grateful to be on and I'm grateful for how far I've come. And I'm excited to see what, what all of that brings. So hopefully that answered your oh, question yeah. in a yeah. concise way. Yeah, and I, I love how you brought up that like, it really, it helps you too because I, my track was actually opposite yours. I became a personal trainer first and then got into nutrition coaching a little bit later on. And I would say the nutrition coaching specifically really keeps me in check because, first of all, you can relate to your clients. And I think that they appreciate that too because a lot of times I'll get clients that will come to me almost embarrassed to talk about the issues that they're having and it helps a lot that we can say, like, no, I, I understand what you're going through and you don't need to be ashamed of it because I was you. And it can get better. But it does, like you said, it also holds you accountable because you want to live that lifestyle, too, if you're going to be asking your clients to do it. Yeah, and it's, it's so interesting. I, I um, host a podcast as well, and I had a fellow coach, um, a mentality coach, on the other day. And I was saying to her, it's, it's really hard because it's a fine line to toe in that you want to always practice what you preach, but in reality, that's a heck of a lot harder. And I try to remind my clients, I'm like, I know I'm, I'm trying to assist you in this and advise you in this, but I also have had to walk through that myself and recognize it's a heck of a lot easier for me to tell you that mm-hmm. than to actually do it in reality. Um, but I think what I love about the nutrition component, again, not that I think there's a wonderful place for the personal training fitness component. Um, but what I really love about the nutrition component is that in being a holistic health coach, I wasn't able to heal my relationship with food and with myself until I looked at a lot of these other extraneous factors that we don't realize play into, um, how we view ourselves and our relationship with food. And I think that's also very common with women, you know, that emotional element and all these extraneous things of how jobs play into it and even how the pandemic is, is playing into all of this. Um, so I think for me, it was like, until I healed all these other things that I never had before associated with food, the food component the food component followed after I was able to address all of those other things and obviously continually addressing them. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. Now, did you find where there's specific things in that holistic health realm that helped you? Like you were talking about that you had to address some of those things Were there specific things, or do you find with your clients that there are specific things that maybe we wouldn't necessarily think had anything to do with food or diet but really do impact? Yeah, so again, and this, I don't think it is just isolated to women, but I think for women, a lot of food, the relationship with food is is driven by emotion. Um, for me, that was definitely one component, and, and I'll get into that, but 
a big part for me was job and career and where I was at in my career as like all this was sort of coming to a head. And I say that to clients all the time. It's so interesting. And again, not advising anyone to just like wake up tomorrow and without thinking it through, like quit a job. But, you know, we spend so much of our waking time and hours in what we're doing as a career and for work. So if you're very unhappy in that, it should be no surprise that more, most likely that is gonna translate into something in terms of how we're taking care of our body and how we're approaching our plate and what we're putting into our body. And I think the same thing goes for something like social interactions. One thing that, and I didn't even draw these connections until I was coaching, was I am someone who's like, go, 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 full speed ahead. And I have a very hard time taking time to decompress. And that's something I am still working on. Um, But what I was finding was when I was taking that time to decompress, it wasn't, I wasn't going about it in a way that was really serving me. And, And I realized like, I'm someone who, yes, I need time to like decompress and watch a show on Netflix for an hour, but I can't, it's not good for me mentally to sit there and do that for like five hours on end. I'm someone that like me time and a decompressing time doesn't mean like totally veg out. Like I need a little bit more, um, like structure and boundaries around my kind of me time decompressing time. And I, I always thought that like was kind of counterintuitive and wrong, but I found that that is, is really good for me. And the way that I really identified that was when I was sort of forcing myself to slow down and take that time and really like vegging out. I was just, I would end up like binging and eating a ton, like totally overeating to the point that like it didn't feel good. And I recognized that too much alone time isn't good for me and I need social interaction and I need a little bit more structure around that downtime. And it was in a conversation with a client that I realized that, that like, you know, it seems I drew the connection where every time I'm alone for an extended period of time, I end up overeating and just digging into those feelings of like, what is driving that? What about that loneliness or isolation is making you turn to food in that way? So it, it's really interesting and in how those connections can can be drawn and how all of those things relate back to one another. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that a lot of times we don't necessarily, you know, put self-care and our health together, but they are so intertwined and so related. But like you said, a lot of people don't even know how to do self-care for themselves. And I'm, you know, I'm very similar to you that I can't lay on the couch all day. I just like, it doesn't make me feel good in the long run. Like for an hour, fine, but for hours, it just doesn't do it for me. And I had to be really intentional about figuring out like, well, what are the things that allow me to decompress and I actually feel better afterwards? Um, And you do, you talk on your page too a lot about self-care and about setting boundaries. Are there like typical things that you recommend for your clients or ways that you work with them on implementing that self-care or that time to decompress? Yeah, so I have a friend um, who also runs a blog, and she is huge in self-care, and I've learned a lot from her. Um, and she, her, just to give her credit, she's at Fun Undone on Instagram if you guys want to follow her. Um, but she always says that, like, 
self-care isn't just about like bubble baths and massages, right? Like it doesn't have to be this like far off unattainable thing. And that's really important to me and how I approach health and how I approach things with my clients and making things very attainable and realistic and accessible for everybody. Um, so what's been interesting for me is boundaries has been a huge thing, as you said, for me and my clients and in my own life in the pandemic. I think that the pandemic has completely diminished boundaries on so many levels as most of us are still almost a year into this home working from home there's no distinction between when work time starts and work time ends and we're just kind of in the same space working playing living socializing um so boundaries has been focusing on boundaries and and setting boundaries in whatever way i can has been sort of my self-care this year and a few things that I've been doing that have been really helping me is for the last like six plus months, I put my phone up at eight o'clock at night. Once eight o'clock comes, you know, I finish what I'm doing. I put it on the charger and I do not touch it then again until I'm going to bed and I'm setting my alarm for the next day. And that has been really, really good for me, especially, you know, I think social media is, a great thing in many ways and also a terrible thing in a lot of ways and I just find that that mindless scrolling does nothing for my mental health or my self-esteem um, so just creating some time and space for myself before bed and I also noticed just in the last like two weeks this is something I'm working on now is I feel like my alarm would go off in the morning and I hear this from so many people so I'm glad it's not just me um, but I feel like my alarm will go off in the morning and instead of getting out of bed right away I get back into bed and I'm like just I open up Instagram like automatically like I don't even think about it I open it up and I'm starting to scroll through scroll through and I started thinking like why if I'm not gonna end my day on this note like why am I starting it like, I think we all need the time and space in the morning to just take time for yourself, like get yourself in a good headspace for the day. And most of the time when you're starting your day in social media, it's not, at least for me, it doesn't usually lend itself to a great headspace. So last few weeks before 7, 7.30, depending on what time I wake up, I'm like, nope, do not open Instagram. This morning I, I caught myself doing it and I'm like, nope, it's not time yet, yeah, close it out. And just spend the morning, whether it's a half hour, 45 minutes, again, depending on what time I wake up, reading a book or watching a show or, you know, reading inspirational books or quotes or, or doing journaling of some sort, just giving myself a little bit of time in the morning to set myself up in a right way for that day. And it's crazy how that time can kind of shift your whole day and mindset. Yeah, it's so true. And I think so many people can relate to that, that like, we don't necessarily realize it, but Instagram is subconsciously putting these thoughts in our head and you can so easily start your day off on the wrong foot because you're comparing yourself to whatever you saw on your feed that morning or that night right before bed. And I think that's huge. But I also think that, like you said, boundaries, especially right now with the pandemic, are huge. Being able to separate you know, work from home and even I know for me and a lot of my clients saying no is a big one uh, where, you know, I'm a people pleaser. A lot of us are. And 
we feel guilty saying no. But for me, at least with the pandemic, some of those times when I would typically say no, they're not even a choice anymore because we're not, you know, going out and socializing. We're not doing all of these things. But it did kind of teach me like, actually, I kind of like this time by myself. I need the interaction, but I like it by myself too. So I'm hoping like as things lift and kind of open up more that I can hold that and and continue to say no to the things that don't necessarily serve me without feeling that guilt. Yeah, and I think what you just said there, the key word is guilt. I think a lot, I'm the exact same way. And I think that's pretty customary for people as this association of guilt with saying no and taking time for themselves. And um, I'm not sure what program you went through, but the program that I went through for health coaching, they had this um, experiment. It was called like the Be Bad experiment. And essentially the idea was that, you know, something that makes you feel uncomfortable in this example, like saying no, going ahead and doing it and pushing yourself to do it and then seeing the result. And I have done it myself. I've done it with my clients, different iterations, whatever it is that they're dealing with. But I think in this example, it's it's really helpful because you will find that the more you say no and exercise these boundaries, I've never yet come across someone who was mad at me for saying no. Or when I just said, you know what, listen, I would love to see you this weekend, but Friday night, it's been a long week. I need to just like chill and hang out and take that time to decompress. I've yet to come across a friend or somebody who cares about me being annoyed with that or you know making me feel bad so it's a lot of times like we create this guilt for kind of no reason um and it's something I'm still I'm always dealing with that I'm working on it but it's just interesting the more and more you kind of exercise that no muscle I think the easier it becomes it's so true and and I love that practice too because it I've used that with clients in the sense of with food guilt or picking up with intuitive eating, you know, they're very afraid to eat X food. And the more often that they do it and they realize that there's not a consequence for it, they aren't a horrible person, the easier that it becomes over time. So I think it's cool how that's just relatable to everything. Um, But on your page, you talk about what you call dieting noise, which I love that. And, you know, basically kind of the diet myths and the things that diet culture maybe tells us that we believe. Um, But with your clients or even with yourself, like, what do you find are those common things, common types of dieting noise that often come into play? And then how do you approach that with your clients? Yeah, so I have struggled with that noise for so long. I actually um, ate a seminar the other night to a group of college-age women, and we talked about this. Like, I, in college, like, probably, like, junior year, there was a Whole Foods that opened up near my college, and I started going there and, and buying stuff from there. And looking back on it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wasted so much money <laughs> because, you know, an organic potato chip is still a potato chip, right? And just because something, I always tell my clients, just because something comes from a health food store does not mean that it's healthy. And that is a whole conversation for another day, the food marketing and and all that stuff that drives me absolutely insane. Um, But there's just so much noise, whether it's 
you know, the latest fad diet and keto this and vegan that and gluten-free this or what have you. And again, not diminishing that those things, some people really do need those things. Um, and it's great that they're options, but there's just so many buzzwords and fad diets and fad workouts thrown at us. And then there's also that noise of sort of societal expectations and, and social comparison that I think has always been there, even like when we were growing up as kids, but now it's just further perpetuated by social media. And as we said earlier, just that constant interaction with social media and comparing ourselves to the very unrealistic things that we see on, on Instagram and, and the internet. Um, so there's a lot of layers of that noise, but I am a firm believer in that we all intuitively know what we need, what we want, how to fuel our body. I think we're kind of born with that ability, but it gets sort of beaten down as we go through life and continuously come in contact with that noise. Um, so a lot of what I talk about with my clients is learning to tune out that noise and reconnect and strengthen that voice inside of us. Um, and again, a lot of it is you know, continually practicing it and trial and error, you know, seeing what feels good for your body and taking the time to listen to your body. Um, it, it's definitely a continual process. Um, but you know, that, that noise, it, it just, it makes me like so frustrated. I don't know if I even just answered your question. Um, but yeah, when I refer to that noise, it's all these societal things and, all these fad diets and marketing that is just constantly thrown our way that I think makes it really complicated when it doesn't have to be for people to sort of take back their power and take back their health and well-being. And it's so true. Like I like in the space and social media that I'm in, and I'm sure that you're in as well, that there seems to be more coaches and quote unquote influencers that are sharing more of this side of it doesn't have to be this way. It can be sustainable. But then there we're up against years and years and years of that dieting noise. So it's hard because our clients are just the average person who aren't in this space. They're still living in that dieting noise and they're still thinking that it has to be that way. And it's frustrating because we know that it doesn't have to be that way, but to change their mindset and really allow them to have the tools to see that it doesn't have to be that way. I don't know about you, but I find it takes a lot of time. And for a society that's so used to instant gratification, that can definitely be hard. A hundred percent. And, and, I think, as you said, like it all starts with identifying that that noise is there. I think it's empowering and just recognizing that that noise is there and the impact that it has on us. And I think there's a lot of empowerment in, you know, once you start to recognize that it's there, then you can start to move through it and work through it. And one thing that I really like to talk about my clients with is, you know, creating neutrality around the way that we speak about food. So. I even hate, as I said before, you know, just because it comes from a health food store doesn't mean it's healthy. I don't even honestly like um, using terminology like that, like healthy, unhealthy, bad, good, you know, just looking at, at, at food as I look at food with my clients and with myself in two ways, like food as fuel, but also um, sometimes 
we made food just for our bodies and our stomach. I say to my clients, like, are you feeding your soul or are you feeding your body? And both of those things are okay. Um, I think there's a place for each and every one of them. And of course, it's a fine balance. Um, but again, recognizing and creating creating neutrality around how we talk about food and, and talk about our bodies even begins with noticing that those par- patterns and narratives are already there and it's no fault of our own. It's, you know, the society that we've grown up in and continue to live in. Um, but just because it's there, it, it doesn't mean that you can't change it. And I like how you talked about those food labels because it is so ingrained to say, you know, good foods and bad foods. And actually, I very similarly say that you have foods that fuel you and foods that fuel your soul and that it's okay to have both. But learning to recognize, you know, what are those foods and why do they fuel you? What do you specifically feel? Why do you want more of them? And then learning that, well, the foods for the soul don't really do anything to physically make me feel good, but you know, they mentally make me feel good. I enjoy them and, you know, I'm not a failure if I ate them. But do you find with yourself or with your clients that there's a lot of food guilt, at least at the beginning, when they eat those foods that are maybe more for the soul rather than for the fuel? Yeah, 100%. And I still go through that myself. Um, but again, it's I always tell clients, like, as we're working through all this stuff, you're accumulating tools to put in our toolbox. And at the end of the day, like no matter if you go and eat that quote unquote bad food, it doesn't negate all the hard work that you put in. And you still have all those tools that you can go back to and and pull out and utilize at any time. Um, And yeah, again, it goes back to that continually allowing yourself and giving, I think so much of so many of us restrict for so long and, don't allow ourselves to have that food that, as you said, the more and more you have it, you recognize, like, I'm not a bad person. I didn't screw up. There's nothing wrong in this. And I always remind myself and my clients that, you know, one meal doesn't define your worth. It doesn't, you're not going to eat a bowl of pasta tonight and wake up 20 pounds heavier tomorrow. It just doesn't work that way. So just recognizing, like, it's a moment in time. It is what it is being able to what I work towards with my clients and with myself is always minimizing what I refer to as um, that sort of period of rebound. How long does it take you to kind of bounce back from those feelings of guilt and those negative emotions that arise after you consume that food? And, and again, all these things will fluctuate. Like, and on the podcast the other day with that mentality coach, we were talking about this. I think it's hard as a coach because we wish we can guarantee that these things aren't going to surface again in the future and that things aren't going to get tough. They, they are, and that's inevitable. Um, but again, just recognizing when you are in those more difficult periods of time, whether it's from a standpoint of mental health or body image or how we're fueling our bodies, different seasons of life are going to come and go. Um, but again, it doesn't, those moments don't get to diminish all the hard work that you've put in to, to get to that point in time. And I think that's such an important message too for people to hear um, because I think so often sometimes people get that mindset of, well, if I'm going to eat this, then the whole weekend is a wash and I should just keep going and yeah. then start again on Monday. And rather than that, like by giving them the tools of, 
nope, let's, we can move on. It's one meal. Nothing's going to change in me physically right now because of this one meal. That teaches them those sustainable habits over time versus if you are doing that every weekend, throwing in the towel, it is going to impact you physically over time. Yeah, and that was one of, honestly, my biggest pain points when I started looking at all this was the weekends. And I think that's so relatable for people. Um, and it is. I would, you know, start Friday on a, again, in quotes, a bad note. And I would think, oh, well, I screwed up tonight. Why am I going to try tomorrow? You know, and I think as you said, so many people have that mentality of like, oh, I'll start again on Monday. I don't believe in waiting for Monday or waiting for the new year or waiting for some, you know, rudimentary outside thing to tell us like it's time to reset. Like if you want to make that choice and you have the motivation and tools to make it now, make it now. Don't, don't wait two days or two weeks or two years to, to make that change. Yeah, it's so it's so true, and I'm with you on that because I think, too, if we wait to make that change, you know, a lot of times people will take the approach of, all right, I got to eat everything that I quote-unquote can right now because come Monday or come January 1st, I can't have it again. And that's just that vicious right. cycle over and over again. So, yeah, I can totally see where you're coming from with that and – I just, I hope like with people listening and with with people like you sharing that content on social media that over time this conversation becomes so much more normalized that, you know, those thoughts that diet culture fed us for so long are just kind of out the window and we can go back to having the power over our own health and the choices that we make for it. Yeah, and... I mean, of course, these aren't easy conversations to have, but what's been so interesting, and I would bargain to say that you've had a similar experience, almost all the women that I work with and have met to some extent have had body image issues or some sort of, you know, disordered eating, and it just breaks my heart that that is the case and that it's so commonplace. Um, but I think in having these conversations, it's nice to, you know, you don't want anyone else obviously to be going through that or to have gone through that. But the reality is a lot of people have mm-hmm. so more open and regularly we can have these conversations, the more beneficial it is to everyone. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Now, as we kind of start to wrap up here, can you share where people could find you just on social media and also with your podcast to hear more about this? Of course. I am at Thrive with 10 on Instagram. Um, my podcast is the Holistic Happy Hour podcast. It's at Holistic Happy Hour pod on Instagram. Um, my website is thrivewith10.com. So that's kind of all the places people can find me. Yeah, and I would say I definitely recommend for people listening to check out your podcast. I always love listening to it because you have such a variety of guests come on. Like you talked about having a mentality coach, and it's it's cool because it's all different things related to health, but it's such a wide span of people that you bring on and that you hear from, which is really cool. Thank you. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to listen to this and so grateful to be a part of it and thanks for having me yeah of course well thank you for coming on 
Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Health Without Limits podcast. You guys know that I appreciate your support more than anything and really love having this outlet to just share my voice too. Don't forget to reach out to me on social media so that we can connect. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Both of those will be in the notes section of this episode. I'll catch you guys in the next one.